Welcome to Ladies Roadmap to Living Ageless. I'm Jo Jamie Tyler. And I'm Lana Helda. We're here to expand your awareness and inspire you to uncover your own ageless journey. Hey everyone, welcome. Thanks for spending your time with us today at Ladies Roadmap. Jo Jamie and I are trying to bring some new shows that we think could be helpful. We're right in the middle of this coronavirus and we wanted to air this show because with everything that's going on right now, we believe it is fair to say that fear of a recession and financial reality moving forward is very real. And we're all going to need to sit down with ourselves probably first and then our partners or significant others and have some hard talks. And I have to be, you know, honest here. I have been married for 34 years and it is still very touchy and tricky for me to have those money conversations with my husband. You know, I think he had, maybe he told me when he was a a child, his parents fought, fought about money. And so it's always very tense. I too have been married 35 years and I actually always let my husband do all the financial stuff, and I've actually gotten very much more involved in the recent years, but still don't know all I need to know. So I'm with you. I'm in the same camp. So we really are excited to have our guest today. We have Dr. Joy Lear here, who is a psychologist and a consultant and speaker. What she really specializes in is helping bring people together with their partners and talk seriously about what's going on with their money. So Joy, welcome. Thank you so much. It is such an honor and a privilege to be sitting here with you and all of your listeners today. You summed it up so perfectly in your bio where you said people's relationship with money is complicated and in this emotionally charged climate can even be more difficult. So we are going to let you take the podium because you're the expert. So talk to us about what you, what you do and how you help people. Absolutely. So I am a psychologist by training and it's been just really interesting to me over the span of my clinical career. I, I've had the honor, what I see as a real honor and privilege of sitting behind closed doors with people who are having conversations with me that they are not having with anyone else in their lives. And What over time was brought into very clear focus for me is that regardless of the reasons why people were coming into therapy, money became a touch point and it was very clear money is complicated for so many people. So we have this widespread paucity of financial literacy, this intense discomfort around discussions and money. And this creates a perfect storm for relational discord, people struggling with under-earning, overspending, lost investment opportunity, and overall crippling financial stress. And it's really challenging because I think when it comes to money management, we are both shaped by our own unique money stories and histories, the experiences we are carrying forward from our own families growing up, as well as these cognitive biases that kick in that we all fall prey to when it comes to financial behavior. In that point that you made about the importance of your mindset, one of the things you say 
is that your mindset is one of your greatest assets and your mindset is one of your greatest liabilities. So can we just go right into that? And can you explain that for us and how we can make sure we have a mindset that is an asset? Yes. So like I think so many things in our lives, it can be, our strengths can be a double-edged sword if it is not kept in check. So we have to be very aware and very conscious of the way in which the the narrative and the story we are telling ourselves about money and the what we are attaching to it how that is impacting what we are doing with it and how we are communicating with others about it yeah and to that point if let's say right now let's just talk about right now how we're all feeling everyone's nervous everyone's yeah. thinking oh my gosh am i going to get people are either thinking am i going to get furloughed am i going to get laid off you know am i going to be able to pay the mortgage whatever we're all stressed out right now thinking about these things so if if i decided okay i know i need to go and my husband and i need to sit down and talk about this what would you give ladies or anyone as some of the first steps to take to go in not only prepared, you know, physically with what you want to talk about, but mentally. Absolutely. Well, I think I want to say, you know, we are recording this podcast um, in the middle of March 2020. And we are in some ways living in days that we haven't experienced before. We are living history. And there is across the country right now just heightened anxiety and a a lot of challenges people are really having to adapt. And I think as individuals, as a country, it, it serves us to make a choice right now how we are choosing to look at what is going on around us and how we are framing that conversation. And I think we can even look at this. So we talk about even before coronavirus was on anyone's mindset, even before there was as much buzz as there currently is about recession, people struggled to talk about money. Now this is all amplified. The anxiety around this is amplified and people are now being forced to have some of these conversations. So we can, in some ways, if we can look at this as as an opportunity to practice doing something we maybe avoided doing, something that was hard, now now we don't have a choice. Kind of like slowing down a little bit with quarantine. This is something maybe on our own accord we would have struggled to do, but current circumstances, if we can reframe this as an opportunity rather than something that is happening to us, there's. I, if we, yeah, I love it that you said that because I felt that honestly. It's like you're saying what I was thinking because I already felt like I needed to sit down and have these hard conversations right now anyway before this. So now I'm like, okay, Lana, you don't have a choice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And sometimes the universe can do that for us. <laughs> I I think. Going into a conversation with your partner, you have to understand, first of all, you take inventory of how have these conversations gone in the past? Where are you? Are you financially operating on very separate pages or have you been by and large kind of working together? 
I think you have to start within yourself with what is my objective for this conversation and go in prepared with a list of talking points. And I think right now more than ever, couples need to have clear communication and start to rally around shared goals. So one of the things you're going to want to do is maybe sit down and first internally do an audit of, okay, what are my fears right now? What are my, what are my goals and objectives? And what are the actions I can recognize that need, that need to be taken within our household going forward to do this? And I think also looking at what are your fears going into this conversation? Because I think one of the people, one of the reasons people avoid conversations with a partner, with a friend, is we start to tell ourselves this story in our mind of, well, this is how that other person is going to react. And I want to avoid that reaction. That's uncomfortable for me to sit with. So then it just gets swept under the rug. And in our lives, the things that get swept under the rug end up coming out sideways and tripping us up if they aren't talked about. Okay, so that's great. So now what are we going to say? Let's just say we are really scared to talk to our partner about this. How do we say a question and put out there our fears without them becoming defensive? So I think you start with, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm feeling scared and kind of conflicted about having this conversation, but I recognize it is important. I care enough about us. I care enough about our relationship. I care enough about our financial future to have the hard conversation. So, so it's you're putting really it back on you. Yeah, but you're putting it back. Like exactly. Accusing them. Yes. I love this. No. This is such important. No. You you really conversations with with partners, people get really defensive when we start pointing when we start with you statements, when you start pointing your finger. It's yeah. hard for someone to argue when we are speaking from our own internal experience. And I think that can open a lot of things up. Language which I encourage people to use is sometimes I have concerns about and then share an observation rather than a you do this. Right. Or you need to stop doing this because yeah, no. you need to cut this out of your budget uh, because that's really going to start. Exactly. <laughs> so w- especially, especially within a marriage. So no, we don't want to parent our partner. That's not a role that feels good. And... I don't know about anyone else. I don't appreciate when I start to feel parented by a partner. So we need to look at, okay, what is what is the role I am playing in my communication around this? Yes, yes. And, and then if you, so when you're talking to your partner, 
I think you just keep, you're saying you keep in mind that you continually bring it sort of like Jamie said, back to how you, how, how I feel, you know, how I feel and what my concerns are. And maybe do you think it might even be a good idea to start with? I was thinking, you know, I'm feeling like I'm going to cut back on this, this, and this. So you start with how you're going to help with the budget possibly. Yes. And what ideas, you know, you can go in asking questions. How can we work on this together? These are some thoughts about how I can contribute and participate in this. You know, I think when we are prescriptive with another adult, depending upon their a little bit their personality, but sometimes even that people bristle against that so much that, okay, maybe they wouldn't have had an issue, but the very fact you told them, this is what you need to do. They're like, "Mm, no, thank you. And then they step back. It's like a child. And then, (laughs) exactly. And almost, you know, a lot of people are doing more homeschooling at home. So if we can, if we can think a little bit about elementary geometry and kind of uh, kind of degrees on angles, you know, we like to think in our mind that we are operating in a relationship with at a 90 degree angle. But what sometimes happens is one person kind of over functions and kind of leans forward and that other person, all they can do is kind of just kind of retreat and stand back. Sometimes when we want a partner to do something, we need to lean back so that they can step forward and start to make change. It's such a delicate line. Are there any other tools, say when you're, when you're uh, counseling people, are there any tools that you find you can almost give someone, okay, here, try these three things. And, and they come back to you and say, wow, Joy, that really, really worked or really helped. Well, I think it's very individual to each couple, each family's situation, but I think it goes back to basic communication skills. Money is more than math. So you need to understand what you are bringing into the conversation. You need to kind of be aware and own that. When couples are having issues, if be that financially, be that be that relationally, whatever it is, it is co-created. So I think there's a lot of power when we can all step back and look at how am I participating in what is going on? And we really need to be able to separate then what is within my control and ultimately within a couple, what is within your control is your own behavior what you are choosing to say, how you are choosing to respond to your own internal emotional experiences. Right. And fears. So what about if you are talking with a partner and you can tell they're getting riled up, you can tell that this is not going down a path that's going to end up positive. Should you just excuse yourself from the topic at that time and say, hey, maybe we can come back to to this another time when it's less charged? I I do think there's wisdom in that. I think, again, going back to there's a lot of power in observation, saying something to the effect of I'm 
I can recognize that this seems to be pretty upsetting for you. I believe this is important, but we are maybe reaching the point in this conversation where it's hard for us to have a productive discussion. So can we put a pin in this? Can we take some time and kind of reflect on what got activated in us during the course of this discussion and then come back at another time? And can we make an agreement right now that we are going to circle back? So now talking about that, I was wondering what would happen if you're discussing this with your partner you're not as knowledgeable about money. They, your partner thinks that they're very knowledgeable, but maybe they're not. You don't think that, that they're that knowledgeable. <laughs> Where's the... What you don't we, think they're as smart as they think they are. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we turn to? Like, I think, you know, you were saying, I don't know if this is what you do or do you help people find a financial planner or where do we go with that one? Absolutely. Well, I, I believe it is wise... For, I, I'm a big um, advocate of investing and saving. So I think it behooves everyone to be working with a financial planner. And certainly they can help scaffold these conversations as well. But I think sometimes working with, be that a therapist or a coach who also has some some training and understanding of behavioral finance can also be useful for couples. And there are some therapists who specialize specifically in working with couples, working even working with couples around money. So there are a lot of options, but I think it there is something really powerful that can happen when you are having a conversation with a third party, someone who has no vested interest in anything but helping you and being very honest with you. So it's not about taking sides, but helping facilitate some of these very difficult discussions. Because the truth is, talking about money is difficult because it's vulnerable. We attach so much emotion to it based on what our relationship has been. So the you may be seeing beha- financial behavior in your partner that doesn't seem rational, doesn't make sense. Maybe you're like, we, we don't have the money for you to be doing this, but there's maybe something underlying that that isn't fully registering or you aren't fully understanding. And the truth is, and I see this a lot, you know, money, money can be used a lot for power and control in relationships. So sometimes money or spending or control of money is being used to communicate something that needs to just be talked about in words. So I, I do a lot of work with couples around, okay, rather than show what we are thinking and feeling, we need to work on talking about it, even though that is vulnerable, even though that is uncomfortable. But a lot of messes will be cleaned up if we stop showing what we are thinking and feeling with our actions through various choices and behaviors. Yeah, it, it's a tough one, the control, because I mean, like I said, I've been married a long time, but when I first married my husband, 
he was in total control of all the finances. And then I had my children and all I could think was someday I'm going to be financially independent so that I can, Hmm. no one's going to tell me what I can and can't do. Well, that happened. And it happened the once, like you said, once again, the universe, I got, be careful what you wish for because I got it in tenfold. I got to be the financial person in the family for a while after the recession. So, you know, now it's, it's, it flips, but uh, it's just, it's just so tough because when you're dealing with somebody from the, that generation, my husband's older, it's a different mindset. I mean, I see my daughter and my, and my son-in-law and they do a really good job of navigating and talking about it. And, And they can just even joke about it with one another. So I do think that I feel like this generation is doing a little better maybe than, than I did. I don't know. What well, do you think? I think, well, if, if you're observing that behavior in your child, I think that speaks to, there was some kind of scaffolding and modeling that you provided that, that your daughter maybe feels more freedom to be talking about this. So I, I, I actually see that as a positive, you know, Going back to what we were talking about, you know, this being a time where we are forced to have conversations that maybe have needed to be had for a long time but aren't, this may be a time to have an explicit conversation about roles in roles you have within your relationship about how money is managed. Who is in charge of what? How do you feel about the roles you have been assigned or not assigned? What would you like that to look like? Because I think sometimes we default that and we carry forward. Well, in my family, this is how it was done. You know, when when a couple gets married, it's really two financial families getting married (laughs) and people don't think about kind of the merger or clash that can happen when that occurs. Yes, and sometimes even in in families the if the if a family has a lot of wealth, it's really tough for the couple because somebody up above them can try to take care, you know, think that they've got the purse strings. Exactly. And when and the the generational pieces is, is huge and very complex and I actually I I really encourage a lot of families who are dealing with issues with multi-generational wealth to have someone help facilitate some of those conversations um, because it can be a very complicated thing talking about succession of wealth. And I think a couple has to decide because there is an element of control that comes when you are receiving money from family, be it a loan or be it a quote gift, a lot of times there can be a perception of, well, are are they going to be judging then what I'm choosing to do with this money or other money given that this was given to us? Um, so I think intergenerational financial boundaries need to be talked about first within a couple and agreed upon and then communicated to the other family members clearly. Yes. Sounds like it's kind of important to have an intermediary. It does. And I just really appreciate this conversation. And I'm thinking, uh, do you recommend 
we start off and say, well, let's put something on the calendar. Let's do this once a week, once a month, like especially right now. How often should we be really conscious of talking with our partner? I don't know that there's one right frequency, but I think schedule, I really encourage couples to schedule money dates, especially at least in the beginning, if this has been an, a, a conversation in an area of your relationship that has been challenging and try to make it as fun as you can say, okay, we're going to go to our favorite restaurant. We're going to, or right now we are going to order in our favorite food (laughs) from a local restaurant, supporting small business. And we're going to set aside 30 minutes to review, review specific feelings we're having about our current financial state, questions we have for the other partner, concerns we are having, and goals that you would like to establish. What do you require a couple to have prepared or bring with them when they come to meet with you? So that is, I don't have specific things in terms of their financial inventory, but really where I believe it is important to start is getting an understanding of what are the two money stories that are being merged right now. Now, sometimes I'm working with a couple where it's, they have a very clear issue that they want to come in and speak about, and we can kind of problem solve that specific issue. Um, But sometimes when couples recognize this has been an area of our marriage that we have struggled with for a long time, we need to understand what is being brought in. Can you give us an example of that? What would two money stories look like for a couple? So one may be, you know, a You may think of somebody who grew up in a family that was, there was, money wasn't talked about because it always seemed like there was enough. Um, A child maybe didn't have a sense of how much parents made. There were traditional roles around um, assigning aligned to gender lines, who was in charge of the banking, who did the saving, who did the investing. Maybe that was dad. Maybe mom did more of the day-to-day spending. But but it wasn't talked about because it just seemed like there was always enough. So somebody, so this person may come into a marriage and be like, I'm not too worried about it. So it's always going to be there. I'm going to use my credit card and we're just going to go. Well, I'm used to, maybe they grew up in a family where they were used to carrying a little bit of debt. So you have that partner who then marries someone who grew up in a family that did not have a lot and really financially struggled. And maybe there was a lot of early financial anxiety. So this person, there's maybe a lot around scarcity and is there going to be enough? And now this person as an adult is maybe observing in their partner some of their spending habits and 
that that they maybe wouldn't make, they maybe don't agree with, and that maybe activate anxiety in them about, okay, if you are doing this, we are going to run out. And I think, especially in the in the market and climate we are in right now, even people who didn't come from a scarcity background, some of this is being activated. I mean, we see this in the grocery stores right now, this idea of there's not going to be enough for everyone. I need to hold on to everything for myself. I don't know what the future is going to hold. So this can then create a lot of tension if someone has gone through their life not really having to pay real close attention to the math and another person being laser focused and almost hyper focused on the math and how much something is cost to the point where it's maybe hard to enjoy certain things that are purchased or certain experiences and always thinking about we need to be saving. I need to be making more. You know, I observe this sometimes even in people who, who, according to their bank statements, are very wealthy, but there's there remains this old financial yeah. anxiety of, I need to make more. I need to make more. I need to make more because there's so much that gets attached to money as safety and security. Yeah, you see it a lot. I mean, I've seen it in my years with with different couples and and it does create some animosity. But then there's people that have that situation. So what do they do? They go out and they work hard because they want to make extra money. So there's ways to combat that. I mean, you can have your I guess I shouldn't use the word combat, but you if you're if you're with a, a partner who really is super tight, then maybe you need to have a little side hustle so that you can bring in a little extra money for your for the things you want that are extracurricular or might be considered frivolous to that person. Exactly. You know, I think couples to in today choose to merge or keep their money separate in lots of different ways. And I don't know that there is one right way, but a couple needs to find the right way for them. But I do think there is something if you have a completely merged account or if you have a shared account and two separate accounts, something even when things are all together, if each part each member of the partner can have their own fund or their own folder on the budget where it's, this is mine and I'm going to spend it however I'm going to spend it. And you, you have the same amount, but you do what you want and need with that. I think that can be a valuable thing for people. Yeah. I think it's important that everybody has a little bit, a little, a little piggy bank with their own, with their own money. I mean, it just gives you a little sense of uh, freedom. Yes. Yes. You don't have to ask anybody what you're going to spend. Well, Joy, you obviously, I didn't even realize there was a counselor like yourself out there. So this is one of the things that Ladies Roadmap that we like to do is to bring to awareness, top of mind to ladies that there are resources out there for us to use. And you are certainly one. Joy, where can people find you? So you can find me at my website. It's my name, Joy Leary, J-O-Y-L-E-R-E.com. 
Oh, I apologize. We said your name, Lear, Lear from the beginning. So it's Leary. Good to know. That is quite all right. So I want to ask uh, Joy one other question. So Absolutely. I, I see that people, you know, people can come to you for counseling, but tell us, uh, it says you're a writer and tell us how else you, you help people. Do you have a blog or do you? Yes, do I have sp- a, I have a blog and I do speaking engagements. I also work with, I provide consulting to members of the financial services industry as well, really helping people in the industry to better understand how they can be merging their left brain economic expertise kind of with the right mind reality of the complexities of money psychology to create better client experiences for the people who are coming through their doors. And so I, I love, and I, you asked about writing, writing is a great creative outlet for me and just something that brings me a lot of joy. Oh, good. Well, you know, I heard you um, on another podcast, and that's when I was like, "We got to get her." And you were talking, <laughs> and you were talking about how, and I think this is kind of interesting for women to know this about you is that you really weren't, you know, you weren't into money and finances as you were growing up, or even in college. So it's sort of interesting how this came about that that's what you now now counsel people yeah. on. I didn't, I didn't enjoy math growing up, so I wasn't someone who my my career inventories weren't pointing me. To toward finance. However, I feel very, very fortunate because I grew up in a family where I was learning about money and investing very early on. Um, So it's something that I've always been very conscious and cognizant and aware of um, and really see an opportunity right especially right now, it is time for people to get their financial houses in order. So, but given the complexity of money as emotional currency, um, I just appreciate that I'm able to bring these two parts of myself, my experience and my training together right now to serve. That's great. One, one other question, when, since we're talking about what's going on right now, is there anything, any advice, uh, because you probably are in touch with, with more people in this financial world maybe than we are, and I wondered if there was any advice you would give uh, young people, old people, whomever, who might be worried about being furloughed or laid off, or maybe they are being furloughed or laid off, where they could, who they could reach out to or where they could go to maybe get some help and answers on how to navigate this whole thing. Absolutely. I think there are some great resources um, that you can be finding online. Um, I really like um, Dave Ramsey. He has great, really easy content for people to kind of take in about debt remanagement and a lot of financial literacy um, things. I love the work. So Sarah Stanley Falaw, her her father, um, Thomas Stanley had written the book Millionaire Next Door, and she's done just a beautiful job of carrying forward the work that he's done. She, um, she, she now runs, runs a business called Data Points, and they produce a lot of great educational content for people as well. Um, so there are lots of resources, but I, you know, 
there's a lot of market volatility going on right now, which is really scary for people. However, that does not mean that this is the time to make a mass exit it from the market, stop saving. More than ever, this is time to get clear about budgeting and get clear about saving. And working with someone like a certified financial planner who is what's called a fiduciary. So they have no vested interest in anything financially other than really helping you can be really, really valuable right now. And I think that is a worthwhile, a really worthwhile investment. Yeah, we have an episode. We'll look it up and put it on the show notes that you should go back and Great. listen to, ladies, if you haven't. And it is um, from uh, some women who run a wealth management firm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and they gave some great tips on that. Yeah, you know, some of these some people are going to be worried. I, I guess the point of this is this is really uncharted territory we're going it into. It is. So it is. So a lot of it's going to be figure it out as we go for people who maybe are worried about their rent or their mortgage. There's going to be a lot of that going on. So yeah. I think we're going to all need to pay attention and and listen and do a lot of reading and research ourselves. And, you know, what we'd love is maybe, uh, Dr. Larry, you could come back after things kind of t- run, you know, we get further into this and things start happening. You might have some good advice for us. Absolutely. That would be great. It just, it just a couple of things I'm sitting with as we are wrapping up. I think... In some ways, what's going on with coronavirus is kind of what can sometimes be referred to as a black swan. We haven't seen or lived a pandemic like this. But in terms of what is going on financially, these vicissitudes of a market have been going on for years and years and years. And I think sometimes we really zoom in on, well, We've never seen this before, and it becomes a very emotional thing. I think in terms of financially, it's really important that people are zooming out and not making quick, impulsive actions and decisions that are driven by emotion, because that's where we all, going back to these cognitive biases that kick in, that's where we all are really vulnerable to be getting tripped up. And that's why I think it's so important to be working with someone who can help provide some behavioral guardrails in this area. Well, that is perfect advice. We really appreciate that advice. And and we're thrilled that you came on and talked to us today. And all of us need to stay well and uh, Stay inside, listen to podcasts, and listen to Dave Ramsey. Listen to So Money, where I I first heard you. The podcasts are awesome. You can can sit and educate yourself while you're indoors. So thank you, Joy, and we'd love to have you come back another day if you're willing to give us some more advice. All right. It was a privilege being with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. If you want to stay up to date with our five-star podcast, be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You'll never miss an episode and you'll see our latest tried and true lifestyle products. You can sign up at ladiesroadmap.com. And ladies, if you like our show, please take a minute to subscribe and rate our podcast because it's super important so that other women can easily find the show. 
you can do it on iTunes or to make it even easier, we've put a link in the show notes on our website.